Well, um, this morning I'm going to talk about and sort of have been talking about this anyway, um, but just probably maybe getting a little bit more intentional about it, um, is living from a divine reality. And so um, about three weeks ago, before, well, actually the Sunday before I went to Cambodia, um, I remember getting up and I had my message prepared and, and I just got up and uh, for an hour and something, uh, it was just personally an incredible time for me where I realized that so much of what was coming forth from me wasn't really, what well, wasn't me. And, uh, and as I listened to that message again, I started to hear this message actually coming forth living from a divine reality, living with the heart and mind posture that Christ lived here on the earth. And as I just shared before, this is the very reality that Christ himself came to bring you and I into, not just to save us from uh, the stuff that holds us back, but to literally uh, have himself in us to a measure where his reality is our reality, where this kingdom place, this, this, this culture of this place that he came from and was birthed into the earth would be ours. And he said this to Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my buddies right now would be coming over here and fighting for me and they'd have some really fast horses and we'd be out of here. But he said, none of my kingdom, my reality, my culture, my mind, my heart, it's not of this place. And because it's not, I'm staying here. And I'm actually going to allow you to kill me. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to demonstrate what the world would. I'm going to demonstrate a completely different paradigm of operating. Living from a divine reality. And that reality then starts to express itself while I'm here on earth for how many number of years, which God knows but I don't, in the physical. And that people would actually see another mode, another paradigm operating right in front of them because it's happening in you and it's coming out of you. And it's not I'm not talking about a one-off moment where you have a moment with God and a worship sense like this or go to a conference you have a moment but three weeks later everything's come back to normal and you're back to this paradigm i'm talking about a move of the spirit a shift in the spirit a work in the spirit that happens within you as you go through this process with the father and you come out the process changed and that change does not leave you it's now in you and you start to move and that process I've described is a continuous process that happens your whole life. So you are becoming more and more and more and more like him living in the reality that he lived from. And that's what I shared last week, how he spoke to his parents, the things he said to his disciples, the heart culture, how he spoke to Nicodemus and what we're going to look at today, this woman He's speaking from a reality that in the flesh we don't get, but in the spirit we're called to get. Hence Romans 8 saying, you're not, you know, the, the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind that's set on the spirit brings life and peace. See, one brings condemnation. 
when we try and hear the things of the Spirit through the mind of the flesh, you can end up being condemned instead of convicted. And you walk away going, wow, I feel condemned. But what happened is truth has been preached. But because it didn't match up with your reality, you hear it through the mind of the flesh and it brings condemnation. But the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So something's happening where you're hearing through a wrong filter and a wrong action is happening. And if you feel condemned, you'll leave with that condemnation. And that will live out your life, won't it? We were supposed to hear it through the eyes of the, or the ears of the Spirit, which brings a conviction which empowers change. Thank you for bringing the truth because I'm feeling so convicted. I want to change. Can you see the difference? One's a language of praise. The other one's a language of something that's not praise. One's a heartbeat of thank you for being delivering that, while the other one is one of pulling it down. Because for whatever reason insecurity, fear, I don't know, we hear it through the wrong lens and it has a wrong response. And so I want to start unpacking more and more, but we have been and have been speaking this over three years, is just living from a posture and a place of my heart and my mind that's His. Are we up for that? Do you want that? He wants us to have this. Not whether we want it. He wants us to have it. That's what he died for. You know, stop living as a slave and live as a son. You are my son. Please, man, I died for you to enter into this. It's my heart. It breaks his heart, I believe, on one aspect of God. I was talking with Danielle. His grace is so incredible. He waits. He's waited for me so long. To even get a snippet at this. I have nowhere near arrived. His grace is so incredible that he waits and 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 you get this love. You get this love. You never get judgment. It's love and love and love because we're under the umbrella of grace until a point in time when judgment will come. But it's like, and love and love and grace and grace. He's so long suffering that we would wake up to a reality that actually is in front of us. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink, and he who believes in me from the Scriptures will be a river of living water. See, just as we turn and turn away, repent, as we turn from the things that are consuming us, which we've talked about, can be children, wives, sport, career, all those things, as we just turn and our attention goes on him, intimacy those who follow the commandments i will disclose myself to those who are intimate with me those who are close to me i will reveal it's his heart to reveal but it's not a takeaway meal it's not something that you just dial up 0800 pizza can i have that in 15 minutes thanks and get upset when it turns up in 16 minutes (laughs) and ain't that why because what he wants to give you is so precious that he needs to see you're mature enough to handle it because you will kill yourself and others if you're not. So as a loving father, he doesn't give because he doesn't see a heart response. Yet his heart is to give. Does that make sense? So we must arrive at a place where we're hungry enough for him to reveal because then he knows this work is happening. Because what happens otherwise, who gets the glory? He's not silly. 
Our role is to bring him glory. If we don't arrive at this posture and he gives it, I'll make it about me. Gee, we've done a pretty good job of that. It's about me. I will build your church. And I will build it my way. In the name of. Not necessarily in the will of. But in the name of. And I will think. See, I don't believe anyone, 99.9% of people know they're doing this. I didn't know that I was doing it. I thought, I thought, until he took me through this process and brought me into a greater measure of him. He wants to do it to everyone. It's his heart. So let's have a look at John 4, 7. John 4, verses 7. We're going to dig. We're going to dig deep and see what we can learn from this passage. John four verses seven. It's the story about the woman of Samaria at the well. I just want you to think about that. Allow that to go over your head. Living from a divine place, not an earthly place, a divine place. Okay, it says this. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, just, I'll just stop right there. See, not only is he doing, he's doing two things. Not only did he, they not deal with Samaritans, he didn't, he's not supposed to speak to a woman. So he's so passionate that this reality he's about to declare would be hers. If anyone, whether you're a Samaritan, whether you're a woman in the culture of the day, doesn't matter. See, he, he, he goes past all those things because he wants everyone to experience what he's about to say. And he says this, if you knew if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Just a little bit who gave us the well and drank of it himself as his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Now, there's, I haven't got time to go into this, but there's something interesting about that. He doesn't just lay hands on and start ministering. He actually identifies something in her heart that's a block. He identifies a priority in this woman's life that could block the release of the living water. And he speaks to that first. 
That might come later. Not today. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, yeah, you're you're correct. You have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. (laughs) This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem, that this is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. An hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Verse 22. You worship what you do not know. That's interesting too. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. All things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, it's vitally important that we understand here there are two things at play. There's a physical reality thing happening. So Jesus is talking the physical and he's, there's a spiritual thing taking place at the very same time. And we need to come in to understand both aspects of this. But Jesus is wanting this woman to come and understand a far richer, greater depth of truth and a reality than just receiving this water. And... It's fascinating that they are really having two separate conversations, aren't they? I mean, she's talking about natural water and he's completely talking a different language. You see, he's talking from a divine perspective, a divine reality, and he's sharing and she's sort of hearing that and going, well, I'm talking about water and he seems to be talking about water. But then she asks him, well, where do you get this water from? He's saying, I am the water. You didn't bring a bucket. No, I don't need a bucket because I am the water. It's me. And she's really missing this whole thing. And let me just read Romans 8 to you. Because I think this is our battle as well. And we struggle like this woman struggles to understand the depth of spiritual truth or spiritual reality and we just tend to sit in the physical but romans 8 1 says this and i paraphrased it before therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ so there if you know you're feeling condemned i'd say it's either of your own wrong thinking or it's of the enemy trying to take you to a place where you just be squashed but there is conviction And they are radically different between the two. But I know my experience tells me that you can preach truth and people feel condemned. Well, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. So there's something not quite right with that picture. Now, hear my heart. Some people can go out to condemn you. They can go, I'm going to, that's the heart motive. 
My heart is that would never be the heart mode of anybody here. The heart motive here is to bring us into a reality of the Father that we may be outside of, and it's an internal shift. So it says, There is no condemnation of those in Christ, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So let's just keep moving forward into this being free and becoming into a greater revelation of it. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did send in His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6 is very powerful. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is what? Life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Man, there's so much richness in there. And that if our minds are set on the flesh, if we're trying to understand things of the Spirit in the flesh, death comes. But if we understand the things of the Spirit via the Spirit, life and peace comes. One's heading to a dead end. One is going from glory to glory to glory to glory. Because can, we can actually set ourselves up in opposition to Him and never realize you're doing it. He's trying to bring a greater depth of reality that you haven't yet entered into and it requires a letting go off, but your heart gets exposed and you go, prove it. I don't believe it. That's not what I think. Well, who cares? Really, who cares? I don't define truth. He does. And could it possibly be that, you know what? I am outside of a reality. See, here's the heart posture that God wants us all to carry so we, if it is truth, come into it. It's like this. You go, Simon, wow, that, that is so outside of my paradigm. But I'm not going to write that off. I'm going to have faith because I love him. And I'm going to show model humility now. Because if this is of him, because I love him, I want to know. Not, oh, that doesn't fit my paradigm of thinking, so see you later. Massive difference. One's pride, one's humility. Pride comes before a... Humility brings you into the throne room of God. And as we journey together on that reality, if it is true, it'll be revealed. See, it's not about truth. It's not about right or wrong. It's actually about unity. The church is supposed to be known for unity and love. If we have that, truth will get worked out. But what we are about is right and wrong. And so we fight 
I've got the answer. No, I've got the answer. Instead of going, maybe none of us have got the answer. Maybe God's got the answer. And if we're going to come into this divine reality of posture, because he might be right, I might be wrong. I might be right, he might be wrong. None of us may be right. God's going, gee, I wish these two would just love one another, be perfected in unity, and they'd come out a process going, man, look at that. We got that slightly ajar, but man, our unity and the bond that cannot be broken now is way stronger than what it was before. See, we have this mindset that it's about the process, but we're so goal-focused. What you learn on the journey, follow me. I want to bring you into a divine reality. Now we sit there and we go, well, I really know what the need, I need to know what this looks like before I'm moving. God is so lovely and loving. He'll let you say that, but you know what? You're never going to receive the answers while you stand. So there's a wrestle of the Spirit, see? This is why it's so important, church. We love one another. Because this love, which is of him, not of you, of him, covers all our issues and stuff. May the church be one, perfected in unity. And as we are, we come into this living divine reality that was his from the start of his life. It's phenomenal. It's, it's beautiful. And so here's this physical reality that's outplaying in John. Verse 23 says, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers, that's even interesting, isn't it? True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Jesus is saying, because when I arrive, when I physically arrive on the earth, the time is coming, it's now come. I'm here. I'm physically here on the earth. It's been declared through the prophets that I was coming. Many, many prophecies, and now the day, the hour has come. Verse 25, we see the woman, I know the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he'll declare all things. Once again, can you see this divine reality against a human earthly one? The Pharisees ran into this, didn't they? Do a miracle here, lay a hand on here, speak forth the truth here. He still hasn't come. Has anyone seen him? I don't know what more the guy had to do. I don't know. Maybe put out an album. Don't know. Sorry. So here he is. He's on the earth, physically on the earth. And he says this, people will be able to worship me in spirit and truth. Well, we've got a lot of people worshiping him in spirit. They're over this side. It's all about the spirit. We dance and we sing in the spirit. And woohoo, we have all these, you know, stuff. I'm into that. I'm into worshiping him in the spirit. And we have on this side, it's all about the truth. It's all about the truth, brother, because that camp can end up in weird land. Okay? This camp can end up in dead land. It's all about the word, the word, the word, but the word's so dead, it's not producing any life. In fact, it's just convicting me and con sorry, condemning me, and it's like, 
This is so dry. What are you talking about? It's a book. It has nothing on it. Yeah, the Bible says the living word of God will set you free. See, Jesus came to bring us to grab this reality and that reality and pull it into the middle. It's funny how it's spirit first and truth. The life source, the life, the life, life, life that's on the living word. Transformation, bang, in the middle. It's called an alignment to him. And I'm looking for people who will worship me, true worshipers who take the Spirit of God, who take the living Word of God and intertwine it. It's called me. And this is what I've come to bring the church into. It's a divine place. And so you're no longer having conversations like, where are you getting your bucket from for this water? Or, how do you go back into your tummy? Because I'm six foot four and a hundred kilos and That's really going to mess my mum up now who's 70. (laughs) Maybe back in the day when she was a bit younger. But (laughs) he's trying to bring us to this posture in the spirit. And my heart, my prayer is that we're even hearing this message through the ears of the spirit. Those who have ears to hear what the spirit says to the churches. Jesus is screaming, communicating loudly at the moment across the globe. And he's looking for those that are hungry and thirsty and that will come to him and seek him and have a heart of humility and allow the transformational work to happen, not hanging on to old paradigms or structures or thinking. Now, you know, yes, Jesus came and died on the cross. I'm not talking about the, the foundational stuff. But we, God gives you men like Peter to show us that we are no different from that man. One minute he's with him, next minute he's chopping ears off, next minute he's slagging him off, next minute he's denying him, and this grace and this love still comes. But he's, let's not get confused. He's not in the position Jesus wants him to be in. We sort of think like he's just, oh, well, it's all good, man, you know. Times he rebukes the living snot out of him. Get behind me now. He's serious. He's not Jesus of just. You've got to understand that he is two parts disciplining, long suffering. See, we can take both of those out of context and never arrive in this middle place. We live in this long suffering Christ, so we're flipping so apathetic, it's not funny. He doesn't require anything from me. He just loves me. He loves you so you can be on fire for Him. May the fire burn within me because I want to take your life and completely transform it. But you can live on this side where it's all about discipline. I've got to get up at six in the morning for an hour and a half. I've got to fast three days a week. Man, I'm living this life. I'm so disciplined. You know, it kills you because there's no life in it. And so we have all these routines and these formulas and these steps to heaven and all this stuff. Thinking it's of him, it's not. And he says, man, come on, in the middle. And so he puts us all together and we all pull. Because the reality is there's a lot of us over here and there's a lot of us over here. And where he's trying to pull the church to is in the middle. It's like he grabs hold of like a tug of war. Whoa! 
powerless, but it's through the Spirit. Okay? It's aggressive in nature. It is aggressive in the Spirit. So it's quite not like this in the physical, but it is aggressive. Those who are in the kingdom are forcefully taking it by storm. It's like, now can you see? Can you hear? Yes, Lord. I hear what you're saying. When you talk about the parables of the seed, I hear it. And I not only hear it, but I take it to heart and I live in it. And I produce 30, 60, 100 times what was sown in me. Where? In me. So I'm not praying a prayer now. Your kingdom come. It's come. Now he's coming. But it's a completely different season to what we're currently in. The kingdom has come. The internal, invisible transformation of the church has arrived. Repent, because my kingdom is at hand. Change the way you think and start living from this place. But it requires you to seek me, let go, seek me. And as you spend in intimacy with me, into me you will see. There is a transaction that happens as you let go of you. And you can let go of you. We can, I can let go of me. I can trust him. I can let go of thinking maybe as I'm hearing another thought pattern, a process. I can let go. I don't have to fight it. Let go and seek. I'm not saying just believe. Be like a Berean, an axe, who received the word of God hungrily, went to the scriptures, sought the spirit to define whether it was life or not. So hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying just be, oh, yeah, whatever that man says, that's true. I'll follow the man. Follow God and the man and make sure the man lines up with God and together come into it. This is called a divine. He's trying to bring us to this posture of divine reality. Jesus says, I speak to you. I'm, I'm, I'm he. Jesus is talking about water that quenches your thirst forever. He says, you'll never be thirsty again. Do we believe that's possible? Do we believe that we can wake up and go to bed and wake up with a thirst that's... uh, Sorry, that, that thirst is quenched. There's such a passion, there's such a purpose, there's such a a life source that I never thirst again. I never thirst for a husband or wife like I used to. And hear what I'm saying. I'm for marriage. Okay? But I'm not driven to find someone to get married because of a lack of. I'm for having children, but I'm not driven because of a, a need to have children. I'm actually completed in Christ and I would like to have children or whatever that is and so when I get them I don't smother them I'm actually raising my children my husband my wife whoever the community into this divine reality which births absolute freedom and these people are free to lay their lives down not defined by my expectation I said this three weeks ago so many people put their children, I've heard so many parents put their children off going into the, going overseas or, or just giving their lives away because they say you have to have a university degree. You can't do that. Wait until you've got that behind you. Well, what if God's saying no? What if God's saying go? 
Who's stopping this? Putting guilt and fear and, oh no, no, you need, why? Why? I'd rather put my chips with the, in the God of the universe than my mum and dad. If God is speaking it. You see, when you're in this posture, you're free to go. You're His. Even if you die, you're His. I will be with you one day. We're all going back to Him. You're my brother or sister. See, it's a divine culture. It's not, oh my goodness. Now, I'm not saying we're void of emotion. I'm not saying any of those things. But as a freedom that's in you, which releases others because you're not holding them tightly. Paul said this, I'm free to live with or without. It's irrelevant whether I've got a Ferrari in the car or whether I walk. Whether I live in a house in Camborne or whether I live in a wooden shack in the middle of Bat and Bong, it's irrelevant because there's been such a work done in my heart via the Spirit of God. Christ in me is so being formed in me that I'm free from the things that hold many people back. And that is to be our reality as the church. And this is what he's saying to this woman. See, she's thinking about physical water and he's going, you know what? There's me. And this thing will sort you, fill you in this whole till eternity. I've come to bring this thing from within. Not just externally, not just to give you a drink, but from within. Let me read this to you. See, I um, he talks about wells, doesn't he? Jesus says this, he said that um, I will give him, sorry, the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water. Who can remember the prophetic word Dave McCracken brought to us? Now, you may not have been here three years ago. He said this, he said that you people are becoming wells. And as wells, you will go and refresh dry ground. Now that doesn't mean just going out there and just sharing a reality. And talk. That means living and the well-being you. So Christ in you can come forth because really it's not you, it's Him in you. And when you get up to stand up and just be and just be in relationship or be in an environment where you declare a reality and be a voice, it's Christ speaking. You're just this vessel that's being used, but you're allowing this transformational process to occur. So you're becoming a well. This is what he said that this community was going to become. I think it's already started. It has started. We released living water in Cambodia through what we were talking about. But this is for us all. Whether we go or not is irrelevant. We're part of this community that God wants to bring everybody into becoming a well. I think that's exciting. A reality of a divine spiritual nature called the kingdom of God. His internal, 
invisible, spiritual dimension, kingdom reality, having the heart and mind, culture and posture of heaven, which we are to live our lives from now, today. It's literally a divine reality. Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That word, repent again. Luke 17, 20 to 21, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. He's talking about this internal, invisible transformation. It's not coming with signs. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there it is. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This heavenly posture is one of authenticity and innateness and is such a natural posture to live from that our Christianity, firstly, is about who we are and not what we do or even how we do it. The what and the how flow out of this posture. Which means you don't do Christianity. You are it. I hope you can hear this. This is so important. There's a lot of the church trying to do Christianity. Tell me the steps. The steps are this. Follow me. No, 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 no. That's too easy. Tell me the steps. Tell me how to do and what to do. No. Follow me. Because you're the plan. You're the church, you're the house, and the work that I want to do in you is so incredible that you start asking those questions, you'll go that way when I want to take you that way. Because as I define you through relationship, the natural outflow is you will know how to and you'll know what. You'll never ask those questions. See, there are a lot of these questions that are defined by titles, positions, methodologies, strategies, all those things. This is defined by a relationship. This is defined by a living relationship of the Spirit, where because of who you are, you know what to do. It's divine. It's how Jesus flowed. It's not what you know, it's who you know, isn't it? And whose you are. But yet we are so preoccupied with teach me hows and whats so I can get on. Hear me. I'm not against doing. We flow from being into doing. But the doing is completely different. The doing has life. It's just a natural outworking. That is an outworking of this posture. It's so authentic and innate, we struggle with it. Why? I'll be honest, because God's trying to bring us into it. We're not there yet. On the revelation of the church, I will build my people. On the unveiling of my son through relationship, I'll put this in you. And then this will be the most natural thing. You'll have passion. You'll have love. You'll have purpose. You'll have meaning. You'll, the Word will be transforming you. It'll just be flowing out of it. And it's so authentic and so innate 
It's just like this river. This river. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, follow me, come to me. I want to define you, not by a set of hows and whats, through relationship. Love me with all your heart. I will disclose myself to a measure that's within you that you'll know how and you'll know what. See, because we struggle with this and we've created methods, we've created strategy, we've created, we, we do things like this and I'm going to say this, I felt this was God, but even our own techniques and because these things are successful to a measure in our eyes, we continue to do it. We have meetings in pubs because we think it's about changing the external. If we have it in a pub, all the lost people will come. All they do is buy into the concept that we're actually still in. See, it's, it's, it's got nothing to do with the external. Nothing to do with the external. Unless someone comes to a place of repentance in their heart because they are being drawn to the Father, anything external actually confuses them. And until they are ready for that, you're really doing all these external things. Create, but you know, the church jumps on it. We do things in cafes because we think it's all about changing the external. It's an internal reality that needs to go. Trust me, I live this. Until it was God showed me who he was and came into my world. I wasn't interested in music or services or funky place or happening Christians or Christians that look cool and all that stuff that we try and do thinking it's actually authentic and innate. It's not. It's superficial religion. And we've got to get comfortable to the measure where we trust him enough to go, unless you're drawing the person, I'm just walking in this authentic relationship. And as I walk in this authentic relationship of the Spirit with you and my brothers, I will, out of me, will come a river of living water which will affect these people and they will see the kingdom reality that's within me and drawn to it that you're the one that has to lead them to you. So whether I'm in this external or that external, it's irrelevant. That's why you can have two people in a room today and one has a mindset and one's receiving the life. It's not defined whether these guys are on time or cranking it or whatever. It's not defined by anything that's external. It's defined by our intimacy and our revelation of who he is. And it's so authentic. It's beautiful. And it's where he wants to bring you and I into. And we must do this together. God has even given specific gift mixes to bring the church into this posture. We create all these movements. and He said, you know, I pray you guys will be one. It's incredible. And it's really the greater battle that's going on that really we can be so oblivious to. There is a war in the spirit going on. There's only two kingdoms, darkness and light. And darkness is trying to stop the kingdom of light coming into a reality that Jesus died for us to come into, that he modeled for us. 
Walk in the manner of Christ is not just get saved and lay hands on some people. It's become like him in every way. It'll cost you yourself. I love that saying, loving like this will be the death of me. Think about that. If I love my brother like Christ loves me, it'll be the death of me. I. That's genius, isn't it? I think it's genius. That's straight out of the Creator's manual on genius from heaven. Yeah, if you, that's why I ask you to love one another because you'll evaporate. But as you evaporate, you come alive. You come into this reality that you're still not fully yet in. I love this. Repentance is a rich biblical term that signifies an elemental transformation in someone's mind, heart, and life. When people repent, they turn from walking in one direction and running to another. Not something that you do once, but something that is a lifestyle. I just invite the guys to come back. And I'm going to speak to John 7, 37 to 39. I think it's in about two weeks. I think I'm back on. And I'm going to pull that apart and it will plug into this here because when you read that scripture, it says that the Spirit had not yet been released. So as we know, Jesus came until Jesus went to be with his Father. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, had not been released onto the earth to fill the church with his Holy Spirit, yes? And so this woman is having this discussion and until that Holy Spirit is released. Now we know the Holy Spirit came on certain individuals in the Old Testament. But from a sense of a corporate expression of his spirit, Jesus had to go for the spirit to come. So he had, she hasn't had this infilling, <clears throat> but we have. The time has come. God has poured out his spirit. So the challenge for us is to be living in this reality because he's poured out his spirit. Now, yes, God can come and he can come in a, in a meeting and just sit and his presence can fall. And look, I love that. I'm into that. I believe for that. Pray for it. It's a beautiful thing just to sit in the presence of God. But here's the greater reality. God wants that in you. God wants that revelation, that realization in you because his spirit has come. Which means if I've accepted that seed in it's a matter of it being unlocked like the water outside. See, that water wasn't there probably, at, I don't know, yesterday, it wasn't there on Friday. Something got unlocked. Maybe it was a pipe that burst. Maybe the pressure of the pipe, the pressure of what God's doing, the message he's communicating to you, pressure of that because we know man that's not my reality I feel this conviction maybe I need to turn and bang unlock it or he unlocks it I should say Father you love us to such a measure that I know I don't fully get a handle on and Lord you love us with such a passion it burns. I believe that you've shown me that. You've put that in my heart. It hurts you. The love that you have hurts you. 
such a jealousy in a good way. You're jealous, Paul said, I'm jealous for you that I would present you as a pure virgin. You're so jealous that we would come into every single thing. That's why Paul prayed, I preach Christ and Christ crucified only because what is contained, I don't need to preach any more than that, but what's behind that cross through the power of the Spirit and revelation is just goes forever. And so, Father, I pray today as we continue to walk and declare this reality into, over, and through us, I pray, Father, that your Spirit and the Spirit that lives within us, which is your Spirit, would move towards it like a moth to light. I pray it would be such a sweet voice, such a sweet sound, that it would draw us to you. And that our preconceived ideas and our pre-understandings and things that we've thought that we've maybe built our life on that aren't fully accurate, that we would just turn for a moment, maybe just a moment, and entertain the fact that this could be you. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would draw us. And I pray you'd give us a heart of humility, that we would put that on that we would choose love, that we would choose humility, that we would choose to walk in it. God, you've given us your strength and your boldness and your courage to do that. You've given us promises that you would never leave us until the end of the age, which is beyond death. So, Father, I just pray this prayer as we worship you now and as we just lift our hearts and our minds to you. I pray the rivers the wells would be forming and continually growing this living substance of Christ in us. As Paul said, I'm in labor until Christ is formed within you. So God, I love the fact that we can go and share you. And I love the fact that you're forming us. And we want to be in both parts of that equation allowing this kingdom life, peace, joy, patience, righteousness to be emanating from within and this power that's on the tongue because Christ comes and refreshes many lives. So Father, we, we pray, we ask for this, that we would be and continue to be these people. Jesus, come. Do your work. Release. As we submit to you, walk in obedience to you. I know, and you will be faithful. And you will do what you promise and keep your end of the bargain.